today. We're going to um, recap. Um, I'm going to throw out a lot of phrases because we've done a lot of digging, and, and, and these things matter. And if these things lay on our hearts, it will, it will, it will get better, all right? Um, I, I would encourage you over and over again, not that you have to listen to me over and over again, that's not it. But there are some strong foundations, some strong biblical principles, and a lot of understanding that has gone into the last three weeks as we, week one, search through the Bible to find out why it is that church people, that followers of Jesus, act the way they do. Under what requests, under what authorities do we have to do the things that we're called to do? So there can be no question from Genesis to the Revelation what God requires of us or when someone's new or when someone says it or when someone asks of you, as the Bible says, be prepared to give an answer. I wanted to set us up for that in week one. We know what God calls us to do. In week two, we talked about the state of our heart in order to do it. We must have hearts of generosity. We must, all right? And then in week three, we talked about um, what happens when we don't have that heart of generosity. We talked about what it looks like when we think that we own our money and our money actually owns us. We thought about what it looks like when we think that we're the masters of what we have, when in reality, we are never the masters of either. We are simply servants to one of two things. We are servants to God and how he sees money, or we are servants to money, and it is never anything different. And that's where we've been. But I want to drop some phrases on you, and I want you to read them. Here's the great news. I feel so important. I feel like this is so important that after the service, some of you will, you know, if you're my sister, you'll be taking pictures through the whole thing, you know, of, of the screen, and, and then posting them later so you can remember them. And that, that's how she takes notes. That's great. And it's sharing with others. But I have printed out, all right, um, a lot of the phrases and all of the passages that I have used on a half sheet of paper, it's over here in the windowsill. I have also printed out another three-page document that will have a lot of the things that I'll have in the end. If you ever feel overwhelmed, if you're looking for things to do, if you're looking for things to try to help get you out of debt, keep you out of debt, help you manage your money, there is a three-page list of things to try and how to try them over there. Okay? Cool? So let's take a look at where we are as human beings and what some of, the most, um, um, uh, some of the most quality teachers of our day have said, all right? All too easily, God's gifts end up becoming God's greatest competition. All too often, the gifts that he gives to us become his greatest competition. You can go all the way back to when he gave the Ten Commandments. He knew that it was coming because he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Throughout all of scripture, we find the created worshiping more of the created rather than the creator. All too easily, God's gifts end up becoming his greatest competition. Here's an in-check one. Money flows effortlessly to that which is your God, all right? Money flows effortlessly to that which is your God. If you, and I heard, I heard somebody talking about this morning, if you get on Amazon and it is just easy to spend, all right, through this virus, that should tell you something. If you go to the, um, for me, the Asian market, all right, and you know that you just need some Thai basil, but all of the shiitake mushrooms and all of the spices and all of the sauce, if you go to Jungle Gyms, for those of you who have been to that blessed paradise of a place, 
And you can't not buy everything because your money flows effortlessly. That's what he's talking about, to that which is your God. You know, if you're tied over a loaf of bread but not over a pair of cleats, money flows effortlessly to that which is your God. And then when we got to generosity, here's what it said. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian minds of several generations, said this. I, I am afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If our giving habits do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things that we want to do that we cannot do because our giving expenditures exclude them. Let me say this, okay? This, this is awesome, and a lot of you are like, yes, you know, I want to be that way. That's where I'm going. Unless you have giving expenditures, this doesn't matter. You can nod this all day long. But if there is no line item in your budget that says, how much I'm going to give, and it is taken out, this don't matter. What C.S. Lewis is saying is, if your giving expenditure is easy for you, if it's just that 3% and you know you're going to do it and you're able to do it every month, and it doesn't cost you something else, it's not enough. That's what he's saying. And then as we listen, this was Andy Stanley. Money is not the meaning. When we work, when we play, when we grow, when we invest, money is not the meaning but a tool for something meaningful. Our thought should not be, how much can I get in the bank? Our thought should be, how much can I do with what goes in the bank? Do you see the difference? Do you see the drastic difference there? It also changes everything for your stress level. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you're constantly, pot calling kettle here, let's just, let's just go ahead and go. If you're constantly concerned about the number inflow and outflow in that account, all right, and constantly monitoring it, that is a safe thing until that is what consumes you. How big that number gets or how, how easily that number stays in the black. If my first thought process is, what are all the things that I can do for the kingdom of God with what's in there? It's a different mindset because no matter how much is in there, I still have the ability, I still have the desire, my heart is still in the right place to do the right thing. That reduces the stress because no matter what's there, it's God's. And that is something else that we learned, all right? You must be knowing where the master's money's going. This changes everything as well. If you understand that everything that Johnny Ray earned, everything that Todd earned, everything that Danny or Christy earned and was able to put into their account, would you can say all day long, maybe it wouldn't be there if I wouldn't work so hard. No, it wouldn't be there if God didn't allow it. It wouldn't be there if God didn't allow it. God allows every dollar to flow into every account you have for every hour that you're able or unable to work. That is what God does. It is His. And we were reminded last week, my wife called me, this is great, and if you were in the nine, you missed it, so I'm going to say it now. Listen to me. You tithing is not giving. Okay, she heard this on the way home from the sermon. Listen, 
Tithing is not giving. You cannot give a tithe. You return it. You cannot give a tithe. You return a tithe. In and of that word, it says who the owner is. Returning. Thank you, God, for what I have. I acknowledge that it is yours. Until that is returned, there's no acknowledgement of whose it is, period. You return a tithe. You give an offering. Everything beyond that is what you're giving, is where your generosity begins. Well, Craig, in the world that we live in, in the time that we live in, with the money that we live in, in the prosperity and, and, and debt that we live in, what you're asking is no longer possible. The Bible needs to change to us, not us to the Bible. Hmm? You, you all were like, yes, 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 wait. Well, that's what I'm saying. Everybody would say, wait and hear with their mouths. When are we going to wait and hear with our wallets? You're asking me to do something that's just not possible. Yeah, I am. For you. You cannot do life for Jesus unless you're doing life with Jesus. Most of the things God asks us to do are beyond our power anyway. But he says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And it is that self-discipline that we need to turn to to get things right. So today, here's what we're going to look at. We're going to break down money. We're going to look at one verse that tells us where to start, okay? I've already set us up. If you don't have a generous heart, this isn't going to go anywhere. If you don't understand that God calls you to return the tithe and to give an offering to, this is not going to go anywhere. And just like every 500 diets we've all started and quit, if you're not disciplined enough to get this done, it is not going to go anywhere. All of those things are prefaced to today. So if you don't have them, don't worry about the rest of what I got to say. All right, we're going to look at the five places, five places that your money can go. Once it comes into you, it can go five places. All right, you ready? Here they are. Here are the five things that we can do with our money. All right, we can spend our money on whatever's out there, from shoes to cable to internet to TV to clothes to, to food. We, you spend it, all right? The second thing you can do with it is you can pay for what you've already spent, all right? You spend this here, and then you pay American Express for what you already spent. That's the second thing you can do with your money, in no particular order. The third thing we do with our money is pay taxes. You need to understand that we all are required in the state that we live, the country that we live, the place we live, to pay taxes, and the hope is that we give those taxes so that we have certain freedoms, certain rights, certain authorities, certain things that help us from Social Security to roads to electricity, et cetera, et cetera, all right? And the way all of that runs, there's some expectations, but those things are on things that we buy, things that we purchase, things that we bring in, work that we do. You're paying taxes on your stuff. The fourth thing you can do with your money is save it to put it somewhere where it might be used later or for things that we might want to save for or in case of emergency, right? And the fifth thing you can do with your money is give it away. For the most part, this will handle 99% of all the things that you can do with your money. We would put investing under savings, all right? That's really the things, that places that money can go. 
Now I want you to look at something else. Would you say that a Christian life is more about self or more about others? Christian life should be more about others. Our lives are more about ourselves. That's right. If you spend it, it's me. Pay debt, that's me. Taxes, still me. Saving, still me. Giving away, others. Might look more like this. Right? Right? Thank you, Preston, for that visual illustration. Might look more like this. So, if this, if God says that money is how, how, how you can, you know, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If God says what you do with your treasure shows what your God is or where your idol is, does this, if people saw this, just the me and others, would that say this is the Christian life and the type of people I want to be around? No. And in living this life, would you say that more people in this room, more people in our church, more people in our community, if doing it this way, would you say that it causes them more savings or more debt? More debt. Would you say that they are financially sound or financially weak? Would you say that they are spending more than they make or taking care of what they make? All of these things lead us into financial crisis, financial ruin, into debt, and into enslaved by everybody but God. We're enslaved to our creditors, we're enslaved to the one who owns our debt, and we're enslaved to, you ready for this, ourselves. This is why in all things God said, if you would be my disciple, you must what? First, deny self. You want financial peace? Listen to God from the get-go. Self's got to go out the window. So, Craig, how do we fix it? Well, we stop this mindset. The first thing you do is you stop this mindset. Me first living and leftover giving. That mindset's got to go away. You say, but, but Craig, I, I, give, I give to the church. Well, how's your financial situation? Well, you know, our, our net worth is in the negative because our house is what we have. We have three cars, and they're not worth what we bought them for, and we have uh, about, you know, $12,000 in debt. So our net worth, including our house, is about negative $7,000. It's not working for you. But I'm giving your... Well, Steve Celine, Steve Celine he, he, would, he would call it tipping. You're tipping. You're walking into the church. You're walking into the booth with the money in your pocket. You're opening it up, and you're looking at the 20 and the 10 and the 50, and you're going, oh, okay. Instead of going, here's the $832 that I made this week. Here's the $83.20 that belongs in the plate before I give a penny. It's that simple. Well, Craig, I don't make that much money. Nobody cares. I don't care if you make five bucks. If my daughter gets a, a commission for $30 for one of her Yu-Gi-Oh drawings of people, she needs to put $3 in the plate. Now, when she turns 18, she's out of my house, she can put whatever she wants. But she's going to learn to put that three in the plate because that's God, because her talent's God. We've got to quit me first living with leftover giving. We've got, we've got to understand that when we look at our finances and know them and understand them, 
that it is a litmus test for what's important to our heart. And you have to then let what's imp- what, what you think is important to your heart guide your finances. You have to. You have to sit with your spouse, sit with your children, and say, this is the most important thing, and put it first. So Jesus says, as he said all along, you've got to flip the script. You've got to reprioritize your money, all right? Reprioritize. So it doesn't look like this. It's this upside down. First you give, then you save, and then you live. First you give, then you save, and then you live. Well, Craig, you've been doing this all morning, and you've done a lot of quotes and a lot of phrases and gave me a lot of slides, and we're not used to that, but we like it because you're teaching us a lot, but where's the Bible? I'm glad you asked. You've memorized this verse before. You've just never applied it to your checkbook. But this is exactly what God calls us to do with everything that we have. But seek first His kingdom, others, and His righteousness, others, not me, that's why I'm saying others, God, and all these things will be given. The key to financial freedom foundation is this. God first, other second, me last. God first, other second, me last. Used to be a, 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 an acronym that said joy. Jesus, others, you. You find joy in your life by doing things in that order. Jesus, others, you. So God says, seek first his kingdom. You want joy in your life? Seek first his kingdom. You want hope in your life? Seek first his kingdom. Why? Because his kingdom never fails. His kingdom never calls upon you to pay debts you owe. Your debts are paid in his kingdom. We have freedom in his kingdom. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full in his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom with your money. Check mark the refund. It goes first. Return. And all these things will be added. How does a baby Christian treat this verse? You ready? Here's what a baby Christian does. No offense to anybody in the room, but this is true. I get it. That's exciting to me. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pour all my stuff into the kingdom, and I'm going to watch my bank account, all these things, grow. I'm going to have so much more, it's going to be unimaginable. And then six months in, you've been giving, and your bank account is the same. And you quit. Because your thing is, well, God didn't bless me the way he said. He never promised that he would bless you with finances. That is a prosperity gospel. It is wrong. It is sinful. We will not preach it here. God's blessings are abundant, and they are profound, and I see them in the eyes of the children that he has honored you with. I see, I see them in the peace that covers some of us in the crises that we're going through as a nation. I see them in the people who pick up the phone and call me and say, because we have been giving of our money first, no matter how small, we have seen our debt wiped away inexplicably. I, I did not have my electric bill, and then it was there. And I can see it on the faces of those of us who are living together in community who know that even if the bills weren't going to be paid, that there's somebody sitting in this room right now who would gladly pay them so that we don't have to worry. God's things will come because fathers want 
to bless children. And until we're ready to go, no matter what American Express says, no matter what Spectrum says, no matter what Bank of America says, God gets his first because that's what God said works. That's good. God gets his first because that's what he said works. Until we're ready for that, it doesn't matter. If we seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added. And this is why we have to order our life in a give, then save, then live. Now, here's the question for the day. Before I get into some very specific things, and I said I would, give, save, live. That is the bottom line. If you will adopt that, I promise you one of two things is going to happen. You're going to find yourself on the way to freedom from the debt you owe. You're going to find yourself on the way to prosperity and hope, all right, in Jesus in some way. And I promise you this, if you're giving and saving and living, you will not go without. And I have a church family here that we're all a part of that has for seven years and will continue for as long as I'm here making sure of it. Period. Give, save, live. Here's the question. Here's a question you have to ask yourself. Why am, why, why am I not buying in? Really? Why? I'm not even going to give you answers. I'm not going to tell you what the thoughts you're going to have. All you got to do is ask. Because I'm looking at it, most of the people in the room, and I know you know the scriptures. I know that you know Jesus. I know that you want to be his. So the question is, why am I really resisting this? Why do I hesitate? Why do I chuck a few bucks in two months in a row and then don't for six? Why do I think 10 sounds out of control? Why can I sit around with my friends and make excuses? Why? Why do you do this? If you know everything I said is true, if you know that I gave you scripture all the first week, if you know that the Bible requests your generosity, if you know God was always self-sacrificing and other-centered first, then why are you really resisting it? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to start with these two words, I want. Isn't it? Isn't that what you're going to have to start your answer with if you're going to resist it? Maybe three words, but I want. And you begin where we said we couldn't begin. If selfishness is your motive, I can't help. Okay, here's a quick list. You don't have to write these down. I wrote them down for you. You want to get out of debt? You want to make your finances real? This is the way to do it. This is not church serving. We don't need it. Just in case you were wondering, I've been telling you great news every week. I'm going to give you some more. The biggest single month we have ever had at NBC was just over $23,000. We did about $5,200 a week that month, and that included a January giving. Yesterday, we were at twenty-eight dollars for this month. I don't know where it's coming from. You want some more truth? I don't care. I don't care. Jesus is doing it. We're going to keep giving it, and the joy is going to be abundant. And 
The good Lord gives, right? But what does the good Lord also do? Takes away. So you know what we're going to do when it's 15000 like it was last month? We're going to say, we're going to give it and keep on with the joy. Because that's what God wants. And we're going to celebrate the small victories. Six weeks from today, you're going to be able to walk into this place and all of that blue paint's going to be gone. And all of these windows that have been crusty for years are going to be white. If you want to see what color white, there's a big patch of it on this little door out here. There's two little patches down there of the red we're thinking about using, but Preston and I asked him to go get one more color because we found a swatch. So those two are tests, and they both look great against the brick. It, we could do either one, but the bottom one's a little, little pink, a little mom sweater for me, and I don't know that I want that all over the front of the church. You know what I'm saying? It matches the brick perfectly, but I don't need me no lavender McPink front of the church, you know? That would be a little much. So there's, there's one more swatch coming, so don't get scared, but the top one would work great. So we're, we're gonna, it's going to be awesome. God's providing. We're seeing the added unto us. All right? Number two. There we go. Try setting up a lifestyle where you live on 80% of your income. I would even say 70%. My wife wants to challenge us to do 70% because she wants to save more. She doesn't want more. She just has in her mind to save more. Just protection for our health, protection for our kids. That's what she wants. Try living on 80% of your budget. Here's what that means. After taxes, folks, you make $1,000 a week, you bring home $800 a week. What we're saying is $800 a week times 20% is 160. You live on 640 a week. That's that, that, that's your, set your budget up on 640 a week. If you try this, you're going to find in about three months, you're going to wonder where your savings came from. You're going to wonder why when the next bill comes in and you used to have to wait a week, you can just go ahead and write that check. Try living on 80 or even 70. And what I mean by those bottom two, 80, 10, 10, live on 80, give 10, save 10. So if you get a $1,000 check and 800 is what's left, put 80 in the bank, put 80 in the plate, and live on 640. If you want to go a little larger, you do 70, 15, 15. All right, I'm going to have to do different numbers to give you this. You make $1,200 in the week. You got $1,000, all right, that you bring home to make it easier. You put $150 in the plate, $150 in savings, and you live on $700. You see how this works? That's thing number two. Ready? Number three, listen to me. Call your creditors every year. You're like, what do you mean, Chase? No, I don't mean Chase. Spectrum. Okay. Liberty Mutual, Windstream, listen to me. I sat in my office, this is a true story, 11, 12, 13, about 15 months ago, fall of 18, I sat in my chair for three hours, so I probably, she may or may not remember this because we did it for the church right after because Preston does it for us all the time. I called everybody I had a bill to, my insurance company, a guy I knew who was an insurance broker who ended up changing us over, Big time, all right? Car insurance, health insurance, all of that. I called them all in one morning, all right? $400 a month I saved from 8 a.m. to noon. 400. My cable bill went from 120 to 69. My, my, my internet bill went from 92 to 71. My car insurance went from like 385, all right, to 185. Same coverage. Call your creditors once 
uh, your cell phone. I'm trying to get a few people to do this right now. Your cell phone. You don't need to be paying $90 a month for your cell phone. There are plans out there right now, $40 per person, unlimited everything. Why are you paying $160 a piece when you can pay $160 for your family? Think about it. Call your creditors every year. <laughs> Have you ever asked somebody where their money's going and they go, uh-uh? This is why. This is why. Fast food, trying to eat out to save time or you don't feel like it, and mine, all right, the sins of the pastor right here, I have stock in Kroger with all the money I spend there. My wife handed me a list this morning on the way out the door. It's sitting on the front seat. I'll be at Kroger for the fifth time this week. Why? I like to cook. And we're on a diet. Praise Jesus. I'm only buying like celery. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and I've learned, if you don't know this, that the, that the fruit, fruit, fruit is best in the world, all right, in Thailand, Japan, and Sam's Club. Come on. You want to bless your life and maybe get saved again? Go to Sam's this afternoon. They have these white peaches. There's 10 in a box. They're heavenly. Single greatest peach I've ever had in my life. Because I want the joy, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want, I want to share, all right? There you go. There you go. No, no, no peaches for you. Come to my house, get a peach. My father's calling me out from the front row. I will tell you straight up, and I'll say it with him in the service, one of the best money managers in our congregation is Steve Celine. Okay? Steve knows where every dollar, assai, every penny goes. Girl comes home, he's like, where's the receipt? All right? Why is it this? All right? But he doesn't do that in his head. He uses personal capital. All right? It all comes in. So you can go. I downloaded it the other day, all right? I'm taking some time over the next few days to get a few things done that haven't been done, all right? And one of those things is finishing setting it up. You put your bank account in, it pulls it in. You put your credit cards in, they pull it in. So it automatically tracks some of your spending. Then you can set up more places like NBC or more things like I want to divide my food into uh, beverages, food, and out, you know? And you can do that, all right? All of these things can be done in the app, and then you can hit a button and go, bam, there's what percentage I'm giving. Bam, there's what percentage is on food. Bam, there's what percentage is on, I don't even have any idea why I spent that. You ought to have that category. I would rarely, rarely say this, but in this day and age, you need to hear me. Right now, if you have halfway decent credit, you can get 2.5. You can get down as low as 2.5. All right, listen to me. On a $200,000 home, if you can save a percentage point, you can save a couple hundred dollars. I need to put some caveats in here for people who make mistakes by thinking, if you have been in your home for seven years, okay, and they call you to refinance and you can drop your rate, all right, and save $200 a month, all right? So you save $200 a month, but you go back to 30 years. You made a mistake. Here's why. 
all of that seven years is almost all interest. You didn't pay down on your house. You don't have enough equity and you have added. I'm going to give you an example. When I went from 30 to 15 and they ran the numbers, I saved $140,000 on what my loan cost. $140,000. There's no way you've paid that in. So what you want to do is, if you're at 23 years, you want to look at a 20 or a 25-year loan at 2.5%. You're probably going to be paying the same amount, but you're going to save 40, 50, $60,000 over the next 30 years. Could any of you all use 2,000 extra a year? Would you like to have more equity in your house five years from now instead of 30 years from now? You want to ask a guy that worked in a financial place if I'm right about this stuff? He's sitting in the back. Do not refinance your house and add time to it. But refinance your house and keep the same or lower it by cutting years off. You may only see $10 now, but you'll see 100000 at the end. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you buy a house at 200000 and you're on a 30-year loan, you're paying about three hundred eighty for that house. I'm saying I can teach you how to pay two ninety instead. That's what I'm saying. Take a look at that. But before you do any of this, ask someone who knows. Well, I don't need anybody in my business. Well, there's your problem. You think it's your business. Ask anybody who has sat at my table and gone over debt relief with me if I say anything about what they're doing, anything about where they're going, anything about it after the fact, anything about what they're tithing, I forget that stuff. I want to forget that stuff. I want to help you. I don't need to know the rest. There's no judgment here. Call someone who is good with money, sit down with them, find all the master's money, and then together set a path on what it's supposed to do. Together. The more people you have with you on this journey, the better your financial journey, your heart journey will be. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and the rest will be added unto you. And the church will be blessed and your family will be blessed and your children will be blessed and we won't be slaves so we can be free to do everything God calls us to do over the next year and a half. When Corona's over and 20 of us want to go to Guatemala, that $1,000 will be sitting in our savings account ready to go. You see what I'm saying? I want you free to love. That is the point. Will you say this? I don't even know if I can pull it back up now. Will you say this with me as we finish? Together, all of us? Here is the financial premise for where we're going. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for their generosity. I thank you for how you're taking literally our 40, 50, 60 people who are attending church and giving their loaves and their fishes to you. And you are multiplying in ways we cannot even fathom. You are taking 50, 80, $200 tithes and you have turned them into massive amount of offerings that we have been able to share with people in need, share with people who need food, share with people who need electric, share with people who cannot eat, both in Lexington and in Guatemala City. God, thank you for doing those things and for giving this church family the heart to give and to serve. Now set us free to serve by teaching us to seek you first with our treasures. Let us be the example for those who come down the line two or three years from now. 
there are more people who are saying, ah, give, save, live. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things before you walk out. Thing number one, most of what I said is right over there along with the list of other things.